Oh, this is Sid Roth, the Jewish man. That's Meshuggah for Yeshua. Meshuggah is a Hebrew word. It means crazy, and Yeshua is Jesus. I am crazy for Jesus. And the big question is, we're all crazy for something. What are you crazy for? And if you're yelling Yeshua, I am saying, you're not crazy. You are brilliant. (laughs) Anyway, my guest is Mark Verkler, and he's talking about a subject that intrigues me no end, because if there's one thing that most good Christians say is, I wish I could hear God clearly, and I would do it, but I just can't hear God's voice that much. Well, my guest was in a position just like that, and he said what God did for him. God wants to do for you. In fact, he goes so far as to say that if you follow the principles that he's outlined in his uh, Hearing God Experience package, that 100% of true believers that follow his instruction will hear God's voice. Uh, Now, Mark, that's a pretty bold statement. Well, Sid, it is a very bold statement, but we've been teaching those four simple keys to hearing God's voice for 35 years all over the world to all age groups from kids 5 to adults 92, and all of them can hear the voice of God if they'll do these four very simple things. Okay. Now, just because I like it, I want you, and I didn't know it before I looked at my notes, I want you to tell me what happened to you at age 15? <laughs> well, I was laying down one night trying to go to sleep, and I had this spontaneous flowing thought going through my mind, which would not go away, and it was the voice of God, even though back then I didn't know that spontaneous flowing thoughts were the voice of God. But the thought was this, you know, if you die tonight, you're not ready to go into eternity. And I tried to push it aside. It wouldn't go aside. And so I finally got out of bed, went downstairs, told my parents, I want to get saved. And uh, so they took me to the pastor's home, and he talked to me through the salvation experience, prayed with me. And um, so my salvation experience came out of the voice of God speaking to me one night when I was trying to fall asleep. Well, you know, I I think I'll top that story. I was about uh, six or seven years of age, maybe six, and Jewish, no no understanding that God speaks today. And I heard a voice, and this was what the voice said to me. It was a question, what happens when you die? And that's really what started my search to know God. So God speaks to even unsaved Jewish people. Uh, He even spoke to you, Mark. Uh, isn't it isn't it amazing? It, it's uh, and I think about that when I hear your story, uh, and that's why I wanted you to share it. Okay, the eleventh year of being a believer, you come to your senses and you say, "God, I'm not hearing your voice." These people in the Bible, they hear your voice. Seems like a lot of Christians, they hear your voice, but I'm not hearing your voice. So, what did you do about it? Well, I had another spontaneous thought come to me, which, as I look back on it, I realized that was the voice of God, too. And here's what the thought was. It said, why don't you take a a year of your life and focus on learning to hear God's voice? And even though I didn't identify that as the voice of God, I said, that's a good thought. And so I said, I'm going to invest the whole next year focused on learning to hear God's voice. So you heard God's voice. 
to to take a year to hear God's voice, but you didn't know it was God's voice. I got it. <laughs> but but how could you do that? I mean, um, uh, how how were you married at the time? Did you have children at the time? Yes, I was married, and I was pastoring a church, so so I had time for Bible study, and so all my Bible study and sermon preparation that year was focused on passages in the Bible that dealt with prayer and hearing God's voice and seeing vision. And any books I read that during that year were on prayer and hearing God's voice. And... Well, well, well how, how does a pastor who, who is teaching people and loves God not hear God's voice? You know, that's my question, Sid. It, it, it frustrated me to no end that, that here I am, I'm a spirit-filled, charismatic pastor, pastoring, an ordained minister, pastoring a charismatic church, and I can't hear the voice of God. And I'm so frustrated that I can't, because my worship leader can, and he can prophesy and interpret tongues, but I can't prophesy because I can't hear God's voice. And I found that an incredibly frustrating 10 years of my Christian life. Well, did you tell anyone? Did you tell your church that's what you were going to do? Did you tell your wife that's what you were going to do? Well, um, as far as taking the year, you mean? Right. Yeah. Well, my wife definitely knew it, and uh, I, I know the elders at my church knew that that was my focus for the year, and my preaching that year was all pretty much on the voice of God, so I'm sure they were catching the clue that that was my focus for the year, because I was passing on to them the things that I was learning. Well, was there a, a, a moment during that year that you f- felt the floodgates finally opened? <laughs> yeah, there sure was. Uh, I was awakened. Uh, early in the morning, maybe five thirty, six o'clock, with with uh, listen closely, with a booming bass voice, which was God speaking to me, saying, "Get up! I'm going to teach you to hear my voice." Now, I've only heard a booming bass voice once in my no, no. Just out of curiosity, before you heard that booming voice, were you praying really diligently a lot for the, to hear God's voice? I was, you know, it was probably six months into this year where I was focused on hearing God's voice, so it was my earnest, heartfelt desire to get a breakthrough. And I really think that when anybody has an earnest, heartfelt desire for a breakthrough, I think God sees that, He hears that, He responds to that, and He gives them the breakthrough. That's what I believe. What was the other time you heard God's voice? Well, as far as hearing it as an audible voice, this is the only time I've heard it as an audible voice. Now, the rest of my life, I hear it as a flow of spontaneous thoughts that light up on my mind. Okay, what did God show you? <laughs> well, that morning, I bolted straight up in bed, wide awake, instantaneously, and, and I was conscious that He just said, I'm going to teach you to hear my voice. And believe it or not, I can hardly believe I did this. I laid back down and said, okay, teach me. And He said, no, get up and go to your office, which was next door to my house. So I walked on over, I sat down, I I meditated, got in the Lord's presence, worshipped a few moments, and he took me to Habakkuk 2, 1 and 2, and showed me how Habakkuk heard the voice of God and the steps he took, four simple steps, and he just laid them out for me and showed me, hey, do these four things. Well, how now, when you did these four things, from that moment, how long did it take for you to start hearing God's voice? Well, that day, I heard God's voice all day long. I, 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 mean, I began to write out what God was saying to me, uh, and after I'd written for a half hour, I went and Patty was up, so I took, it to, took what I'd written to my wife, Patty, and I asked her, what, what do you feel about this? And she read it, and she said, well, that's God's voice. 
which excited my faith. So I went back and did it for another 30 minutes. And I took it to Patty. She said, it's still God's voice that excited my faith. I, you know, I kept doing that all morning. And in the afternoon, I journaled for an hour and a crack and took it to Patty, and she kept saying it was God's voice. So at the end of the first day of using these four keys, I had written for five hours God talking to me. Okay, but, but, but here's my question. I see a lot of people with great miracle healing ministries, and they try to teach it to others, but some of these others don't have these great miracle ministries. It's like a gift. How do you know it wasn't just a gift that God gave you because you prayed and you, you were seeking God? Uh, can everyone do what you do? Uh, Sid, 100% of the world can do this, all right? We have now taught it. I mean, the, the books on these four, four keys have gone out to 250,000 people, and, and they're all getting it. And many of them are writing me back and saying, not only did I get it, but I turned around and taught it to my youth group. I taught it to my home group, and they all got it, and marriages were healed. And, and I've got—we have hundreds of testimonies like this from all over the world, every continent of the world. So it works for everybody. Okay, let me let me ask you some practical things. You started hearing God's voice. How did that improve your marriage? <laughs> well, the Lord said, "Mark, uh, love your wife," and I wrote it down. Love my wife, and and I said, "Well, Lord, I'm going to just just as soon as I fix her." And uh, He said, "No, I didn't ask you to fix your wife. I said, love your wife," and I said, "I'm going to as soon as I fix her." He said, "Mark, love your wife." He told me fifty times, "Love Patty." And, you know, I just thought Patty would be happier if she was more like me and more, a little bit more, more outgoing, you know, and a little bit more analytical. And, and I was trying to change her, uh, which so many partners tried to do that. And it was putting pressure and tension on our relationship. And, and God said, Mark, Patty's fine the way I made her. She doesn't have to be more like you. She, she can be an introvert. That's not going to hurt anything. It's perfect. Just love her and honor her and respect her just the way she is. And so... I stopped pressuring Patty. It sounds almost like you let you let go so God could do what he wanted to do. Well, that's exactly right. And my wife's response was this. She said, my marriage improved greatly when Mark began to hear God's voice. And um, so it just healed our marriage. And we've had hundreds of people tell us that their marriage has improved tremendously as the wonderful counselor began to counsel them concerning each other. Okay, what about children? I have to tell you, uh, in today's society, it takes an act of God to have a, a, a biblically normal child today. <laughs> well, you know, at that particular year of our life, when I'm learning to hear God's voice, we had taken into our home a girl who was a runaway girl. She'd ran away from her home. Her parents went to our church, and they'd asked Patty and I if we would take her into our home, and we, we did, and she was breaking all the household rules. She was acting very rebellious, and I was very frustrated, and I grew up in an authoritarian home, so I figured the best way you handle rebellion is you confront the person, you read the riot act, you, get them, you give them the rules, and I was going to do that, and as I journaled about this girl, the Lord spoke this. He said, um, she's very insecure. And I said, really? I said, I thought she was rebellious. And the next thought that came is um, that, that I needed to express unconditional love to her. And I said, really? I was just going to read her the riot act and give her some rules. And I thought about what the Lord was saying. And I thought, you know, if I was a runaway teenage girl, I'd be scared and insecure, and I would cover that up with a facade of rebellion. 
So do I minister to her facade of rebellion, or do I minister to her broken heart of insecurity? And of course, that's easy to answer. You minister to the, to the heart issue, not the outer facade. So when she came home from school, instead of reading her the riot act, I just spent an hour kind of hugging her, basically, not literally, but we just spent time sharing together her life, my life, and the fruit was good. She came to church every Sunday for the next year, and I said, that's better fruit than if I would have sat there and confronted her. Tell me about, and this is interesting, tell me about the laughing Jesus. <laughs> you know, the, when I began to use the eyes in my heart and look for Jesus, he appeared, he just appeared laughing, laughing, laughing uproariously is what he was doing. And, and he said, Mark, lighten up. He said, I got it all under control. And I, and I was so uptight, and I was grunting so hard, and I was so religious, and I was so afraid God was mad at me. And to see him there laughing all the time and telling me, Mark, start laughing. It'll heal you. And, um, and so I did. I, you know, humor is central to my, my uh, delivery style when I teach now. And people laugh, and they love the style. And uh, you mean previous to this, you you didn't even uh, uh, use this at all in messages, laughter? Well, no, no, didactic. I was just a didactic, lineal teacher, and there was no emotion. I'd cut all emotion off because I was taught emotions were soulish. And laughter, of course, is part of any emotion. So I was just, you know, a robot for Jesus. And, you know, just before we did this uh, interview, I Googled the phrase, laughing Jesus. And it took me straight to the picture that I have on my wall, which I purchased probably 25 years ago, an artist rendition of the Laughing Jesus, which is exactly the picture that I saw when I was looking for vision. Exactly the same picture. And, any, and this artist is still selling that exact picture, you know, so anyone can go there and see what I was seeing. Now, you go, <laughs> help me out here. According to my notes, uh, you go to the throne room, Whenever you want to, do you really do that? Well, why why wouldn't we? I mean, because I mean, no, I think anyone would want to. But how how do you do it? <laughs> how do I do it? It's very simple. When you when I'm in a worship session, and I'm in church worshiping, or I'm worshiping on my on my own, makes no difference. I just take my imagination and I picture Revelation four where John walks through this door, he walks into the throne room, he sees multitudes of people worshiping before the throne, and there's a big noise, and the throne room is there, and, and I say, why not do that? So I do that. It's, it's biblical, it's godly imagination. So I would picture that scene, and then I'll say, Holy Spirit, will you take it over? And I tune to the flow of the Holy Spirit, because he comes as a flow, and the scene in my mind comes alive, and people are dancing, and people are worshiping, and whatever I see them doing in the throne room, I just join in and do it with them. And so I'm using the eyes of my heart as part of my worship experience. Can you tell me one visitation to the throne room that had a very impactful uh, thing in your life? Well, I, I'm going to share one for my wife, Patty, if that's okay. Sure. And this is a how to heal. This is an experience that heals some real pain and some real grief in her heart. Uh, her mother. Are, are you are you telling me that uh, from hearing God, you can heal the pain in in your heart? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. He's a wonderful counselor. He he heals us up. 
And Patty's mom had died um, three years ago, a very painful disease. Uh, she'd lost her mind. She couldn't remember her children's name. She couldn't remember Patty's name. And she was shriveled up, maybe 87 pounds in a, in a bed in a nursing home. And that's the last picture in Patty's mind of her mom. And her mom was a noble, beautiful, wonderful lady all of her life. And the last picture, she shriveled up in pain and lost her mind. Well, she asked the Lord, would you, would, you show, would you heal this for me? And within three days before the funeral, the Lord gave her a vision of the throne, of the throne room of heaven. And uh, she saw her mom dancing in the field with her dad, who had died a few years earlier. And they were together in the prime of their life. He had a full head of hair. She had the biggest smile on her face that Patty has ever seen on her mom's face. And they were dancing together in a beautiful field in heaven. And it healed all the pain and all the agony in Patty's heart. Because as long as she looked at the new picture, she knew that that was the true reality of where her mom was at. And the other picture was the false reality. And uh, Patty said, whenever you share this story, make sure to tell people that when God gives you a new picture, you need to choose to look at the new picture all the time so you stay healed and not go back to the old picture and, and reintroduce the pain again. Well, I, I have to tell you, Mark, I can't wait to get the hearing God experience into the hands of everyone that's listening to us right now, because I believe all over the world, people are tuning in and they're saying, I want what Mark has. Mark says 100% based on 35 years of teaching these principles. Uh, but we have your brand new book, Hearing God. We have the bookmark, which is the seven steps that are necessary. We have the two CDs that were done exclusively uh, for Messianic Vision, It's Supernatural, in which you go over each key that God showed you from the book of Habakkuk. And then we have a journal so that you can document what God is saying to you. Why is it so important to write it down, Mark? Well, you know, when, when a person became a king in the land of Israel, God said, the first thing I want you to do is to write out your own personal copy of the Pentateuch. So God thinks part of learning is to get your pen out and write, because when it comes out through your pen and your own hand, it's a much deeper experience than when it doesn't. So we encourage writing all the time. And then something that is so unique just for our ministry is the Meditation Soaking CD. Tell me about that. The med well, that's a CD where you're going we're going to take you for a walk with Jesus for five minutes along the Sea of Galilee. You're going to meet with him, and we're going to leave you there with him with a question on your heart and mind. Say, ask him this, Lord, what do you want to say? And we're going to say, tune to flow and begin to write. And so you'll be postured in just five minutes to hear the voice of God and to begin to write what God is saying to you. And, and the anointing is so strong uh, on this CD. It's violin music, and, and I, I've never heard of something like this. You supernaturally release them to hear God. Uh, and also, on the two CDs, you pray prayers of impartation for them. The Hearing God experience is available for an investment of $49. And when we come back, I'd like you to teach on some of these keys. Call our order-only line, 
Sid Roth here with Mark Verkler talking about something that is music to your ears, how you can hear clearly the voice of God. Now, you, ha- you teach, Mark, on uh, meditation of Scripture in a different way than I've, even, I've ever heard someone teach this before. Uh, explain. Well, you know, when I grew up, I just memorized the verse, you know, the study to show yourself approved, and, and I kind of never got to the, all the verses that says meditate on my word day and night. And, and so I asked the Lord, what's the difference between study and meditation? And he showed me the difference. And when you meditate, uh, part of meditation is you're praying over the word and you're allowing God to illumine the word to your heart. And, and the way we experience that verses leap off the page of scripture, hit you between the eyes, and you know God has just spoken that verse to you right there and right then. And I bet every listener has had that experience. Yeah, but not enough. <laughs> well, you can have it. Every single time you go to the Bible. Really? Yeah, I mean, uh, every, you know, once in a while I'll have a rhema. Uh, I'll have, uh, you know, Scripture jump off the page. But are you telling me I can have it every day? I guarantee you can have it every day because I do, and I never used to, and I do. And, and you, So tell me. I'm, I'm all ears. Okay, let's you posture your heart. And instead of going to the Bible saying, I can figure it out, which is dependence upon my brain and my abilities and me— I go to the heart with a hum to the Bible with a humble attitude and saying, Holy Spirit, would you show me what's here? And so I'm humble, I'm meek, I'm inviting the Holy Spirit to give me revelation. I'm tuning to flow because out of my innermost being shall flow, so I'm allowing flow to guide the process. I'm allowing flow to tell me where to look and what what to look at and what to see. Um and I'm starting with real-life issues, saying, God, I'm struggling with this particular issue. Can you give me scriptures? Show me principles here. And I'm imagining, because one, one of the words for meditation means to imagine. So I'm picturing the scene. I'm picturing Jesus. I'm picturing the disciples. I'm picturing him breaking the loaves. And I'm saying, Lord, what do you want to say to me about breaking the loaves in my own life and, and taking limited provision that I feel I have right now and multiplying it so it's no longer limited? And, and then I tune to flow and journal out a half a page of what he's saying to me. So all of those elements are part of biblical meditation. Now, now, there are a lot of Christians that have a fear of visualization. Uh, they, they think it's new age. Uh, what would you say t- about that? <laughs> well, uh, I would say it's not new age. I would say new agers are free to visualize if they want to. They're free to do anything. They can drive cars, they can get married, but that doesn't mean that I can't drive cars or I can't get married just because they do. And So I want to go back to the Bible and say, hey, does the Bible contain pictures and does it encourage picturing? Well, yeah, it does. I mean, here's what King David says in Acts 2.25. He says, I behold the Lord always in my presence. He is at my right hand, and I will not be shaken. And in Psalm 16.8, he says, I have set the Lord at my right hand. Well, that's visualization. He decided to picture the Lord right there at his right hand. And if King David can do it, I can surely do it. Yep, I like the rest of that verse. Not only is he at his right hand, he says, I will not be moved. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> Isn't that great? Because, you know, I get, sh- I get pushed around by life. I get angry. I get frustrated. I get depressed. And David says, I'm not going to get any of those things. I won't be moved at all. 
as long as I see Jesus present with me, because he's not getting angry, he's not getting frustrated, he's not getting pressured, he's calm. And if my eyes are on him, I'll be calm also. Now, you, you told me that God showed you four principles, and uh, each principle, of course, would take a long time to teach, but I wonder if uh, the rest of this show, we can approach it a little differently. I'm wondering if you could teach me how to hear God's voice, and then people that are listening will kind of really capture what's involved. And, and start me the way God started you. I think that's a good way to start. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll just go to Habakkuk 2, 1 and 2. And Habakkuk said, I'm going to go to my guard post. So key number one is just have a little prayer closet where you go and quiet yourself down in the presence of God. Uh, do you find it's important to have the same place, as you, not necessarily a closet, but the same place every day to pray? Does that help you? It helps me, you know, and I also find early morning helps me if it doesn't help my wife because she's not an early morning person. But when I get up, my heart's ready to download revelation it received during the night. And I just tune the flow and I pray for a while. I... Well, a revelation you've received at night? What kind of revelation do you receive at night? It depends on what I ask for. When I go to sleep at night, I ask God to give me revelation. Oh, oh really? I just kind of, whatever God wants to show me, He shows me. You get more purposeful. <laughs> I'm more purposeful because, the body, you know, our spirits don't go to sleep. Our spirits stay awake, and they work on anything you tell it to work on. You know, I've interviewed people that tell me uh, they pray in tongues, but they tell me when they sleep, their spirit is praying in tongues all night long. Well, your spirit's going to do what you tell it to do. So, you know, if you start go to bed praying in tongues, you'll probably pray in tongues all night. I, I go to bed, sleep, saying the name of Jesus over and over uh, as I breathe in and out, I'm just saying, Jesus. And uh, and if I need peace, I say peace. And if I need calm, I say calm. So I, I go go to sleep in the presence of Jesus. Well, what about, all right, let's take an example. Give give me an example of something you've asked God and then received a dream on. Well, we'll take this morning. How Well, how about this morning's revelation, okay? Okay. I did a blog a couple of days ago, uh, What's Wrong with the Protestant Theology's Foundation? And I said, well, it's kind of reactionary to Catholicism, and I don't want to be part of a reactionary movement necessarily. So I've had two people email me and say, how do I find a really great spirit-anointed church, you know? And and uh, I went to bed thinking about that, and the, and the Lord gave me this morning a page-and-a-half outline of saying, we can have spirit-led home groups or small groups. You can open your home up, and you can you can have these New Testament groups in your home— um, where you meet together, you share the Spirit together, you share words of wisdom, you pray you pray for one another, you lay hands on each other, you get words of wisdom, words of knowledge, you turn in the Spirit, and you can nurture that in the home group. And I had a pastor two days ago who run a home group for 25 years, and I called him up this morning, and, and he said, yeah, I'll, I'll write a, a story of, wh- of what we do in our home group, and I'll videotape the whole thing. And, and so I feel the Lord saying to me today, Paint a picture for people of what they can do with their homes, how they can do it, put tools in their hands so they can turn their homes into these spirit-led home groups, and uh, give people the freedom to grow in the spirit and develop the gifts, and, and they have a mini-church right there in their homes. Okay, let's come back to me. Help me hear God's voice. <laughs> All right, so we want to become still. Key, 
and I want to have a guard post. And um, so, uh, you know, I've got a, my desk and I've got, got some soft, silky music on in the background and got a smile on my face. i got my hands on the keyboard. I've opened up a Microsoft Word file and, saying, and I type in, Lord, what do you want to say to, say to me today? And I tune to flow and um, to still my mind, to get my mind out of the way. Uh, help, help me out. What do you mean you tune to flow? <laughs> well, God's voice sounds like flowing thoughts that light upon my mind. And the scripture support for that is John chapter 7, 37 to 39. Out of my innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Spirit. So when I want to tune to the Spirit within me, that verse says, he feels like flow. So if I want words from the Spirit, I tune to flowing thoughts. If I want visions from the Spirit, I tune to flowing pictures. If I want God's emotions, I tune to flowing emotions. And earlier in my Christian life, I had no, no understanding of flow. I mean, I memorized the verse, out of my innermost being shall flow, but I just didn't own the concept that flow within me is this anointing of the Spirit of God. And when I speak from flow, I'm speaking the oracles of God. And when I think in flow, I have the mind of Christ. And that's flow guiding my reasoning process. And when I tune my hands to flow and lay them on somebody who's sick, and there's a flow of heat and energy, that's, that's the anointing of the Spirit to heal the sick and to cast out demons. So anytime I yield an outer faculty to that flow within me, that faculty becomes an extension of Jesus for that point in time. Uh, just out of curiosity, you sound like a pretty organized type of person and methodical. Uh, have you ever practiced flow while teaching or preaching? And what's happened? Well, I, I yes, I most certainly have. Let the Lord the Lord journaled and talked to me about my teaching style. He said, Mark, your teaching style and preaching style will be adjusted by your lifestyle. And the more you live in flow with me in your morning devotional time and write from flow and take me with you throughout the day, the more your preaching style will be adjusted. So now I preach from flow. I teach from flow. I just get up, smile, tune to flow, and off we go. And we go places, and we have rabbit trails that we go, and, and I have to come back to my notes if I even bother to come back to my notes. But people love the teaching style because it's real, it's vibrant, it's full of passion, emotion, love. Uh, it's alive with the Spirit, where it used to be much more didactic, much more structured. I had an outline, and I looked at it. So, so yes, my preaching style is now from flow, and my speaking style is now from flow. And my counseling style is from flow. Everything at this point is from flow. Now, you my have, conversation with you. You have, you have taught this, how to hear God's voice, for some 35 years. So why was there the need to do this new interactive book, Hearing God? You had plenty of stuff before. Well, you know, this, this is probably one of the simplest, easiest versions of the, of the whole thing. We... We spend a little bit less time building the whole theology and a little bit more time just saying, hey, I'm at your side, I'm coaching you, I'm asking this question, just fill it in and just go with it. So without laying all the intense foundation, we're just, we're just taking the person who wants a coach and will trust that coach and saying, we're going to walk you into hearing God's voice very easily, we're going to walk you into interpreting dreams very easily, into meditating on Scripture very easily, and we're going to help you do the first half a dozen in each one of those cases. 
Well, I, I have to tell you, Mark, there is such a flow of the presence of God on our discussion right now. I can't wait to get the reports. And by the way, do you get many reports of people that have sat under your teaching and been able to do everything you've done and more? We get hundreds and hundreds of reports, unsolicited reports all the time that come in on our website and into our email. So we, we're blessed beyond, beyond belief. Okay. The interactive book, this is all part of the Hearing God experience that we're making available. The interactive book, the uh, seven-step bookmark, the two CDs done exclusively for our ministry, teaching the uh, four keys, the and with a special prayer of impartation, the journal, which is all part of this, uh, and the meditation CD that is so unique that was created just for our ministry, where, uh, Mark, you literally get us into the spirit realm. And then as we meditate, we start hearing God's voice in a very unique fashion for an investment of $49. Uh, and I use the word investment because you are investing in souls. Any profit we make or any extra you put in on purchase will be poured into Jewish ministry. But it's not just Jewish ministry. We are equipping Christians to be normal. Normal is defined by the Bible. And I got, Mark, I got the most wonderful email in yesterday. I've had a burden to communicate the true gospel with people that are homosexuals. And I have not been that successful. I have friends in the homosexual community, but I haven't been that successful. Well, someone started watching our TV show that was gay. And they wrote me a letter and they say that they have been totally set free and they attribute it to just learning more about God from its supernatural television and messianic vision radio. So that made my year as far as I'm concerned, Mark. When we come back, I want to cover those four keys that God showed you. Call our order only line, one 800 447 2697. 1-800-447-2697. Hello, Sid Roth back with Mark Berkler. And uh, Mark, uh, during the commercial break, you told me about how you have learned to supernaturally meditate on God's Word. Give me a scripture that you meditated on that literally was life-changing to you. All right. The, the scripture is that we are transformed while we look, not at things which are seen, but things that are not seen. And I thought, really? I said, I thought I was transformed by looking at a law of scripture, which says, thou shalt not steal, me setting my will to do it. And I mean, that law wasn't in the unseen world. That was in the seen world. And then I set my will to do it, and I try hard to not steal. And I don't use, you know, I succeed some days and don't other days. So so, Lord, what do you mean when you say I'm transformed by looking in the unseen world? What is in the unseen world that I would look at that would transform me? And as I journaled about it, and that's, that's part of biblical meditation, you look at the verse, you journal about it, uh, here's what the Lord said to me. He said, Mark, whatever you fix your eyes on grows within you, and whatever grows within you, you become. 
And he said, I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus, and I want you to see him in the unseen world. I want you to see what he's doing, and then I want you to say yes, Lord, to that, and do that. So if I'm angry and mad and I want to hit a person, before I hit him, I just look and see if Jesus is hitting that person. And sure enough, he's not. He's got his arm around him. He's loving him. He's hugging him. He's pouring some oil in saying, Mark, heal this wound in this person's heart. And if I say yes, Lord, to that, I'm transformed from a hitter to a lover because I, I looked in the unseen world, saw Jesus in action, said yes, Lord, and I took that on. And before I knew enough to do that, I, I used to look you know, all the wrong places. I used to look at biblical law, and that just made me a legalist. And sometimes I would look at my sin and my weakness, and that just made me depressed. And, uh, and the Lord said, Mark, I didn't tell you to look at your sin or your weakness. He said, I didn't even tell you to live out of the law. He said, I told you to live by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit and worship in Spirit and pray in the Spirit. And if you do that, you're not even under the law. Not that the law totally goes away. It's a safety net underneath me to catch me if I ever fall from the Spirit. But he said, you're called to live by the Spirit, to see what the Father's doing, to hear what he's doing, and to live out of that. So I've learned to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, who's at my right hand all the time, and he's there with you, and just um, see what he's doing, tune the flow, let it come alive, and live out of that vision that comes alive. Uh, You know, something that you just said is so profound, but you didn't say it. God said it to you. And that is whatever you fix your eyes on will grow within you. So what about people that use television as a diversion uh, and you can't watch TV without having stuff slipped in? that you don't want to see. I mean, even, I have to tell you, I watch news and sports, and I'm having trouble with both of them now. The news is so negative today that I end up talking about what's going on in current events rather than Jesus, because I guess it grows within me. That's exactly right. The Bible says, dwell on things which are lovely, just, and pure. And that sure isn't going to include the news, because they're dwelling on what's negative. And one day when I was looking at Washington, D.C. and feeling really depressed, because I I said, man, what I see down there scares me to death because they don't have moral integrity. They spend money out of control. They they don't honor the Word of God. And and I was full of fear that they're going to capsize the economy because they spend without without any control, restraint. And, And I was angry they had no morals. And I said, well, now hold it, Mark. Anger and fear are not gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so I said, okay, I'm in my morning devotions. I said, Lord, I think I need a new picture for Washington, D.C., because the picture I'm looking at doesn't contain you. I just see evil and corruption. I don't see Jesus, which means I'm looking at a picture that contains a lie, because Jesus is everywhere. And so I said, Lord, where are you in Washington, D.C.? And I put a smile on my face, and I tuned to flowing pictures, which is the way I get a vision, and a flowing picture drifted into my mind of Jesus enthroned on a throne above Congress and the White House with long flowing robes flowing down over Congress and the White House and his glory streaming down over Congress and the White House. And he spoke by flowing thought to me, which I journaled it out. He said, Mark, I rule in Washington, D.C. He said, I'm King of Kings. I'm Lord of Lords. I rule. Well, that picture healed my anger, healed my fear, heals my pessimism, because, man, if I don't see Jesus in action, I'm as negative as can be. And one of the rhema words the Lord spoke to me many years ago was that leadership is automatically transferred to those who remain optimistic. 
You know, if I'm going to sit around the doldrums, no, I can't be a leader for Christ. And we want to be leaders for Christ. And so I need to get rid of all pessimism. God's not pessimistic. Well, well you, you just said such a mouthful. I, I need you to say it again. What did God tell you about leadership? Leadership is automatically transferred to those who remain optimistic. And he spoke that to me in the day when I was a pessimist. I was down in the mouth and, gro- and groaning, and, and he just it convicted my heart. And, man, I, I'm so convinced. I mean, God's not pessimistic. He's not down in the mouth. He's absolutely convinced he rules the universe. And he would like his pride to believe that. <laughs> and I wasn't taught that in my early Christian years. Let's, let's zero back to the four keys that God showed you when you took a year to learn how to hear his voice. Okay. So Habakkuk 2, 1 and 2, first one was I stub. Go to your guidepost so we become still. And the second one, uh, he said, Habakkuk said, I'm going to keep watch to see what he's going to speak to me. Now, there's two keys there, the seeing one and the speaking one. And we've kind of defined the speaking one already as God's voice sounds like flowing thoughts or spontaneous thoughts, which means... Yeah, most people think it's sort of like Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments with a booming <laughs> voice. But, and, and that's where we get faked out a lot. That's, that's where we get messed up, because that's not the way it comes 99.5% of the time to most of us. All right, I've had that experience once in my whole life, and I'm 62 years of age, so I normally get his voice as spontaneous, flowing thoughts, and so does everybody. And if they honor that and step into that, then they can hear God's voice every day, all the time, even in the supermarket. You're checking out, you can picture Jesus next to that lady there, and you can say, hey, Lord, what nice thing do you want to say to her? Tune to flow, and a flowing thought that comes to you, you can share it with her. And you prophesied, gave her a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, effortlessly right there in the supermarket. Are, are you telling me that there are many people that take this supernatural course? It is supernatural. It came from God, uh, and they've never prophesied. They've never had words of knowledge. This starts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I talked to a lady last weekend in a seminar, and she said she heard my teaching several years ago, and it opened up the entire gift of prophecy to her, and that's what she functions in right now. And so, yeah, it opens up any and all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because once you hear His voice, His voice just flows out through each one of those gifts. Okay, that was the, that was the first key. What was the second? All right, so this, I, I will keep watch to see. I mean, and I asked the Lord what that was about. He said, Mark, fix your eyes on Jesus. He said, pray the prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians 1.17. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. I said, huh. I went through Bible college. I never prayed that prayer. I never even focused on the eyes of my heart. I don't know anything about the eyes of my heart. He said, you take the eyes of your heart and you fix them on Jesus. I said, uh, is it hard? He said, it's got to be simple enough for a child because you can't enter the kingdom unless you're a child. But if you make any of this more difficult than a seven-year-old can do it, and I have a seven-year-old granddaughter who does this and journals and sends me her journaling by email, if you make it harder than that, you've wrecked it. All right, so I put a smile on it. To make sure I don't make it hard, I smile. When I'm there at my computer with my hands on the keyboard, I'll put a smile on my face, because then I'm not grunting and I'm not making it hard. I mean, if Jesus can be laughing, I can be laughing, and it, it calms me down, get over my own laboring so I can enter into his rest and get a flow going, because you can't get a flow going if you're striving and grunting. So a big smile on my face, picture Jesus right next to it to me, and uh, I define that as godly imagination. I define godly imagination as picturing things 
God says are so. So if God says, Jesus, is Emmanuel next to me? Well, then he's here next to me, and there's no reason in the world I can't picture my theology. If I can think it, I can sure picture it. And if a picture's worth a thousand words, then I just intensified within me by a thousandfold the spiritual reality. Just like the father of faith, when God gave him a picture of the stars of the heaven, the next verse says, then he believed. Genesis 15, 5 and 6. So if I want heart faith, if I want faith that can cast mountains into the sea, I need pictures from God. God's not afraid to get pictures. He gave, he's, I mean, Jesus, without a parable, he taught them not. So I don't need to fear picturing. I don't need to fear godly imagination. I need to define it and say, I can move into that. So I'm going to quiet myself down. The easiest way to quiet myself down is to picture Jesus. Because if I'm picturing Jesus, it calms my thoughts, focuses me in on him. So my brain's not just empty. It's focused in the presence of Jesus. And I write down, good morning, Lord. What do you want to say to me? Put a smile on my face. Tune to flow, which is the third key. His voice is flowing to us. And then the fourth key, God said to Habakkuk, inscribe the vision. Just begin to write out the flow of ideas that come. And that simple act of writing lets me stay in a faith mode for five minutes or ten minutes and write in faith because I know that when the flow is done, I can go back and test it then, which means I don't have to test it now. And if I can write for five or ten minutes without testing it, I can, I can get ten minutes of stuff. Now, when, when just out of curiosity, when sure. you're writing for five or ten minutes, do you stop then for a while and uh, think, what am I going to write next? Or do you just write without thinking? That's what I'm trying to understand. Yeah, I write without thinking because thinking for me is Mark Berkler controlling my cognitive thoughts myself and linearly putting stuff together, connecting with Mark Berkler in the center of the process, doing the connecting. I don't want that. I want to die daily. I want Christ to come alive. I want to hear his voice. So connected thinking is Mark Berkler's thinking and flow. Flowing thoughts comes from the spirit realm. And if it's flowing accusation, condemnation, and lies, it's demonic. If it's flowing comfort and faith and hope, it's coming from the Holy Ghost. So I only want one kind of flow, the flow that lines up with the names of Jesus. I got my eyes fixed on Jesus, tuned to flow. And here's, here's one of the rules. Uh, yeah. So if the flow stops, if I'm there typing and the flow stops, instead of thinking, I just go back and picture Jesus, put a big smile on my face, picture him very clearly again and say, hey, Lord, there's more you want to say to me. And with a smile on my face and fixed eyes fixed on Jesus, the flow will bubble up again, and I start typing again. Now, now let me ask you this question. Uh, being Jewish, coming from a Jewish background, I was always told, don't make any image of God. And I recognize I can picture Jesus, but I think I have a little blockage because of that training from just being a child. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know... In, in other words, I, I don't know what Jesus to picture. By that, what I mean is, uh, what does he look like? How do I picture him? Do you understand my question? I, I sure do. And, you know, he's got a hundred names in the Bible, which means he's probably got a hundred faces. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John presented with four different faces, an eagle, an ox, a man, and a servant, you know. Uh, then you find those in the book of Revelation. You know, if I'm in a totally black church, I've seen Jesus as black. And if I'm white, he's usually white. And and the color of his skin is not what I'm coming to. It's his character. It's his nature. Yes, but but, but you're, see, you're seeing an image when you visualize. And, and when I first saw that image, I saw him from the shoulders on down, long flowing robes, 
gentle, loving countenance reaching out to engulf me in waves of love. That's what I saw. And when I finally did see a face after a few weeks, his eyes were sparkling full of laughter and a great big smile on his lips. That's what I saw. And um, I'm not real concerned about the color of his skin. I, I think he becomes all things to all people, and that's great. I think he has more than one face. I think we see through a veil darkly. And so, and so, so are you saying to me when you visualize Jesus, sometimes he, he uh, uh, skin color I get, but you're saying even his facial characteristics are different on different times? Well, yeah, I think he, can, he can be firm. Well, yeah, he can be firm if he needs to be, and he's not laughing necessarily. So I mean, it's two lovers sharing love. So it's just like you and your, your wife together. You know, okay, but if I want to, if I want to picture my wife in my imagination, I have no difficulty doing that because I've seen her in the natural. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to figure out. Well, when I, Jesus in the natural is somebody with two arms, two legs, a torso, long flowing robes for most of us. Sometimes he has uh, in sandals. I mean, that's what I see. Some people see him in wranglers. It's fine. The actual color of his skin, I don't think, is real crucial. I, Paul said we see through a glass darkly. So, and I think any glimpse we get of Jesus is only a glimpse of one part of him. It's not the fullness of him, because we probably would melt down if we saw the fullness of him. We're just seeing a little bit, you know, like the guy who saw an elephant and just saw a little bit. We're just seeing a little bit of Jesus, and, and that's fine. I mean, it's, it's his word. It's his, it, we're coming to the wonderful counselor to receive wonderful counsel and to have our hearts healed up of fear and anger and frustration. It's the words he speaks. It's, it's his arms around us that hold us. It's his touch. As we feel his touch and our cells are energized, that's what we're coming to, not, not the color of his skin. Okay, now tell me just a little bit more about this journaling. Yeah, I didn't think journaling was going to help me at all because I don't like writing and and I'm not very good at spelling and grammar, and, and I thought it would mess it up big time. But but if you look in the Bible, I mean, look at David. He wrote 150 Psalms, and John wrote 22 chapters of two visions and revelation. Well, these are men. And so I tried it, and instead of it crushing my prayer time, it released it. And I asked God, why did, why did journaling release my prayer time and, and let me hear your voice for 10, 15 minutes? And he said, Mark, before you began to journal, as soon as I would begin speaking and give you a, a thought, you would instantly test it and say, hmm, wonder if that came from God. In testing it, you jam the receiver, hang up on me, and I can't get more than two words out of my mouth. But with journaling, you'll stay in faith for five minutes, and you'll write in flow for five minutes, and I can talk to you for five whole minutes because you know you can test it after the flow is done and make sure it lines up with Scripture, but then you're not jamming the receiver and hanging up on me because I already you allowed me to speak for five minutes without doubting me. Because if I'm going to shift from faith to doubt, I jam the receiver and hang up on God, because those who come to God must come in faith. So journaling lets me stay in faith for five minutes or ten minutes and just receive five minutes of him talking to me. Yeah, you know what? I would like Mark Verkler, who has been teaching this for 35 years, to be your personal trainer. Well, practically speaking, he can't come to your home, but this is just as good, maybe even better. We have the Hearing God experience. It includes his brand new interactive book, seven-step bookmark, two CDs done exclusively for our ministry uh, in which he prays a prayer of impartation after he teaches you what the Lord taught him 
a journal so you can start journaling and a unique produced for our ministry, a meditation soaking CD in which Mark will get you into the presence of God. And then you ask your question and watch what God's going to do. All available for an investment of $49. Again, I say investment because we pour all profits or all all, all of the investment beyond $49 that you might give will be poured into Jewish ministry. This is such a unique time in history. I, I, I'm like Paul. I'm beside myself. I'm so excited with the openness of Jewish people to the gospel. So I want to get this kit to you as soon as possible, the Hearing God experience for investment of $49. Mark, last thought. Well, I'd just like to say, I just pray for the scales to fall from people's eyes and for blindness to be gone and for them to see clearly into the spirit realm and to hear clearly the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. I speak that to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And I want to P.S. on that prayer. You see, not only are the spiritual scales coming off of the eyes of Christians so that we can hear the voice of God, but spiritual scales are coming off the eyes of Jewish people so we can behold Jesus. And you know what? It's kind of like the two are going together. As Bible believers learn to hear God's voice, they're going to be so anointed as they reach out to Jewish people. And now that the spiritual scales have been removed, Satan, watch out. The one new man is about ready to emerge. The Jew and Gentile, one in Messiah, one in Yeshua, with a wonderful Gentile Christian anointing and the wonderful Jewish believer anointing and the two merging together to become the one new man which makes a full dwelling place for the house of God. I'll tell you what, we are coming into the best time in the history of planet Earth. And you and I are going to be part of that because I had a dream in which Jesus said, I'm coming back soon. I'm coming back soon. I'm coming back soon. So I want you to have the spiritual scales removed from your eyes so that you can hear God clearly and accomplish your destiny because God himself is removing the spiritual scales from the eyes of Jewish people. And let's get the two of you together so we can form the one new man. This is Sid Roth, who is Meshuggah for Yeshua. Who are you Meshuggah for? Yivarechecha Adonai Ve'yishmarecha Yo'er Adonai Panevelecha V'chonecha Yisa Adonai Our world is rife with comparisons about what separates us. Day after day, we go about our lives with tunnel vision. But Scripture tells us how Messiah broke down the wall between Jew and Gentile, allowing for the creation of one new man, one new humanity. 
This spiritual completeness is set to usher in the greatest move toward God the world has ever known. Sid Roth has discovered Scripture's key to reaching the Jewish people with God's love. One new humanity opens the door for God to move in signs and wonders, and all will see the evidence of the invisible God promised in Scripture. At SidRoth.org, you'll find mentoring tools to empower you to share how one new humanity is critical to bringing multitudes to know God. You'll understand Israel and the Jewish roots of the church and how all the nations of the earth will experience blessings unseen in human history. Log on to SidRoth.org today and learn how one new man is the key to unlocking God's greatest blessings. To place a credit card order for today's offer, call anytime at 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or log on to our website at www.sidroth.org. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. Discover how you can begin watching for free our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week TV network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.